Hello and welcome to In A Different League, the official podcast of the original fantasy football game. We're your hosts, me, Chris Pilau. And for a special appearance this week, me, Neil Mansfield. And here's what's coming up this week. We'll take a stock after the first game week back from the international break and a look ahead to a mammoth upcoming period of Premier League football. Frank Lopez joins us to talk about his absolute dedication to the game playing Fancy League with the Desmond Tutu Invitational. And there's all the usual news, correspondence, questions and queries to get through in part three as we help put you listeners in a different league. OK, so here we are, Neil. No Jessie this week. Unfortunately, she can't make it. She's not well. But we have the brilliant, the perfect substitute, the super substitute himself, Neil Mansfield. Welcome to part one. You've never stepped into part one before. Here you are. How are you? I do know. I'm really good. Really good. Um, yes, I feel I feel more nervous and more anxious, you know, whether it's talking about my team or being involved in part one, normally just being a backroom staff. You can just come in at the last minute, have a pre-prepared speech and disappear. So yeah, I feel feel very much under pressure today. Don't worry, there's there's no quiz this week. I, you're kind of like I can sense the anxiety that I had last week, but there is no quiz. Uh, and maybe also I'm I'm quite settled. I'm feeling confident, but maybe I'm still positively reeling off the off the back of my good game week. I've just come off of game week 13 with a score of 21 points and a manager of the month award. We asked Jessie what she got, and she sent a nine with a crying emoji in the WhatsApp group. But now everyone wants to know what you got as well, Neil. How did you do on game week 13? I'm bringing up the, the, the bottom of the pile, I'm afraid. I got a, a rather lowly six, which is disappointing, actually, because I was I was heading for a manager of the month. Um, you which are, you were saying that last week. I know, and I think I've lost out by about two or three points. Uh, I think the game last night, uh, the Wolves game, I think there's a couple of players that have a couple of high scorers from last night. So, yeah, missed out, I think, by about two points. I'm a bit gutted overall, but, you know, having six points and relying solely on a particular Newcastle midfielder of uh, of Gordon, I think we got a goal and assist, is where my luck eventually ran out. Well, like I said, I um, I got 21. It kind of It was a very lucky week for me, you know, and everything just seems to be going in. And obviously, manager of the month is a big thing in the Garrett Lane Ones Fancy League. I'll be going down to Brendan's, the Garrett Lane Ones off license, to pick up my can. <laughs> we actually haven't been for a while. There's a few that I need to go and pick up. And actually, we've just sorting out our Christmas social, which comes up in a couple of weeks. And we've decided that we're all going to go down there, and everyone who deserves to pick up a can so far this season will do. So we're very much looking forward to that. And yeah, I've got a smile on my face with the likes of Elise. Cunha scored for Wolves. João Pedro got two goals for me last weekend. Uh, there, there wasn't like an overwhelming top scorer on game week 13. There are a few who got six points. I'm guessing that maybe someone who had Willian could have been high scoring in your league. But yeah, we look ahead to the next game week. And, and there will be a lot of people who will have obviously won Manager of the Month in November. Uh, November was an interesting month. The top scorer in November, do you know who the top scorer was, Neil? I said there'd be no quiz. I said there'd be no no. quiz. I on a quiz train. (laughs) I would have been absolutely hopeless on last week's quiz as well. But no, I I, am... No, struggling. Um... You might struggle because I've I've written it down with an exclamation mark next to it. It was Nicholas Jackson, exclamation mark, on 12 points. And I wonder how long he'll be sort of... I don't know if he's being ridiculed. There have been a few players 
even on this podcast that we sort of like ridiculed for a bit and then moved on, I thinking back to Neil Mope and thinking to some, even some Man United players. But Nicholas Jackson is another one. But Nicholas Jackson's got, you know, got 12 points in the month of November. And I think if you own Nicholas Jackson, you'd be a happy fantasy league manager. You know, he's playing in, in, in all a lot of the Chelsea games and he's starting to score goals. He's starting to find his feet. I know I'd I'd be happy with a with a Nicholas Jackson. Doku Harland Dallow also did well in November. So yeah, I, I, I don't know Nicholas Jackson's fine, isn't he, Neil? Yeah, no, I I think so. Although then you've got to look back at you know Chelsea's weekend and sort of uh, wonder what happened then. Looking at the players further down the list, I'd be more tempted to look at sort of a Doku or somebody like that outside of perhaps Jackson, but. It's good to see Jackson coming back, well, coming into some sort of form. And I've just, just am I am I utterly mistaken? But who is who's second in the list? Is it Anana? Anana is the high. Well, yeah, Anana was the highest performing goalkeeper in November, and he is now the game's best performing keeper. He's finally overtaken Sam Johnston as fantasy league's best performing goalkeeper. Ten points he got in November, but he is on thirteen. So you know he got the vast majority of his points in the month just gone. But it's 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 a funny one. You can kind of like it almost characterises Man United as a whole. You know, it's very easy to to talk about Man United as sort of like this team who are in disarray. Again, and it's sort of like a team to be ridiculed. Um, but again, if we look at the weekend just gone and they played Everton, it was sort of like. Everything's either going really well or going badly for for Man United. But you've got to say that things are going well. You know, even Rashford scores a penalty, which, by the way, was not great for me because as a Bruno Fernandes manager, you know, when I saw them having the discussion, I was like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> but maybe I got enough points as I needed over the weekend, so it was fine. But yeah, Rashford scoring a penalty, a smile on his face. I said last week on the pod that Eric Ten Hag, I haven't seen him smile. Well, I saw him smile up in the stands against Everton. Luke Shaw is back. Luke Shaw, 76th minute sub. Do you know what I mean? When everything's sort of like going well for, for Man United. And yeah, no goalkeeper is more Premier League clean sheets than Onana. So, you know, things are like tending to go well at Man United. I just wonder if there are many Man United players for people to pick up ahead of the, the weeks to come, if that is a team to target. Well, we, we can pick up the ins and outs, which I think would be quite an interesting discussion anyway later on. But I think looking at the top performers as well, I slightly mocked Maguire last week for being, or the week before, for being in the uh, in the top sort of transferred in players. But actually, if you look now at the top performing over the last month, you've not only got um, Anana, as we just talked about, you've got Maguire, you've got Delot, you've got Lindelof, and you've got McTominay. So actually, answering your question about availability of players, I don't think there's going to be an awful lot of teams with, with McTominay, Lindelof, or Delot. So I think there's probably going to be a good availability in those three agents. Another player to add to that list, if you look, we kind of said a few weeks ago that lots of people were going for Scott McTominay after he scored a couple of goals. And I do wonder now, with Kobe Mainu, I think is how you pronounce his name, but you know, when a sort of a player suddenly emerges, plays very well, didn't pick up any fantasy league points, but is he someone that a lot of the, the sort of like the week-to-week sealed bids or transfer window managers will sort of like, there'll be a lot of bids for him all of a sudden this week, maybe. Definitely. And and we'd probably be a bit remiss sort of, you know, not to talk about a particular goal that was scored at the weekend, whether it's goal of the season, whether it's the best overhead goal ever scored. I mean, is it? 
is it really the best overhead goal ever scored? You know, what could you put up there alongside it? I know what I would. You know, I, I guess you've got to sort of factor in things like, you know, the events, the game, the distance, the angle, that sort of stuff. But for me, would it supersede Bale's goal in the European Cup final for Madrid against Liverpool? I'm not sure. But even so, it's yeah. an absolute cracker. A lot of um, comparisons, obviously, to Wayne Rooney's one. By the way, it was better than Wayne Rooney's one. But, you know, in fantasy league world, it's still only worth three points, isn't it? Not tempted to stick a couple of extra points for a for a brilliant goal. You know, a goal is a goal in fantasy league. And it was just three points for Garnacho. But yeah, it, it was a brilliant goal. So I think you're right. So, that, I mean, there's plenty, I would say, of, of Man United options, you know, in terms of free agent pools. Definitely, definitely worth worth a, a dig through to see what's available. And I think certainly in my league, we've got a sealed bid window coming up this week. So um, I struggle uh, with selecting Man United players sometimes just because of their... I don't know, they're slightly dodgy defence over the over the last sort of, you know, 12 months or so. But actually, based on what we've just been talking about, I might have to dip into the Man United pool of free agents in our league as well. I don't even know whether they're going to go down and change the, the keeper again in my team. Maybe we'll have to wait and see. We'll, we'll wait and see there. Man United are away to Newcastle this weekend, where my goalkeeper, Nick Pope, is playing. And yeah, away to Newcastle. Newcastle at home seem to have really something about them. There are a few teams now where we're starting to see who the home teams are and who the away teams are. But, you know, it could all fall apart again for Man United. I said things are either good or bad at United. Um, you'd have to see how that goes against Newcastle over the weekend. And, and like I say, it's one of a few games coming up this weekend which are interesting in fantasy league land. I'm looking at Chelsea against Brighton in particular. If we're thinking kind of what's going to happen, which games are going to generate the most points, I'm looking at the defenders in those games who did not really put the best account of themselves forward on game week 13 last week. If you've got Chelsea and Brighton defenders, then maybe I'd be a bit wary, but I'd I'd be looking at those attackers um, at potentially point scorers to come over the weekend. Are there any games that stick out for you looking at the fixture list? Well, no, I mean, just, just nipping back briefly to the, uh, the the Newcastle Man United game. I mean, that's Newcastle at home, as, as Chelsea found out last weekend, is a, is a pretty big, big place to go. So I suspect that'll be a a fairly high-scoring game, as you suggest. But I think also you, you can't really look outside of the, the City-Spurs game, uh, the last game, I think, on Sunday uh, next weekend. I mean, you know, City played reasonably well against Liverpool. I thought, you know, one all was probably a fair, fair score, uh, fair result at the end of the day. But Spurs missing an absolute stack of key players. So it's a tough place to go, you know, when you've got a fully fit, fully functional squad which Spurs haven't got from a defensive perspective at the moment. So I think that is is the potential high-scoring game for sure. Yeah, I'd almost put that in the same category as that Brighton-Chelsea game that I mentioned of sort of like a big fantasy league game um, where you're kind of going to expect the goals. Man City haven't been defending particularly well in that they are, they're not earning loads of clean sheets this season in, in the way that they had done in, in the previous couple. Brighton definitely in that category. Brighton have scored and conceded in each of their last 17 top flight games, which apparently is the longest run of any team since 1960. So, you know, expect them to score and concede. And I almost expect that 
for a lot. But then again, with Brighton, you know, Deserba keeps rotating, which isn't great for us fantasy league managers. Spurs City, which you mentioned, they're rotating because of a lot of their injury crisis. And, you know, are the likes of Lacelso and Brian Heal possibly players that are, are going to be targeted? I think it's a lot of those attacking players now makes those games exciting from a fantasy league point of view. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to look at some other some other games that might also um, fall into that category. You've also, I suppose as well, the you know, it's, all right, it's a big home game for Arsenal against Wolves. Wolves on the bounce of, you know, last night's pretty horrendous VAR decisions again. Um, so they might well be up for that. They seem to be on a bit of a, a free scoring sort of, um, you know, sequence at the moment. Lots of players, you know, lots of managers got Kunha, I would have thought. So that's that's a definite game I'd, I'd be looking at. You know, whether or not, you know, Arsenal, you know, will start with Enketia again. I think they persevered with Jesus at the weekend, uh, if I remember rightly. So it may be a start for Enketia. Outside of that as well, I, I, I always quite fancy Forrest. Forrest at home against Everton. Everton reeling from a a pretty heavy defeat at the weekend, even though prior to that game, they were coming in with some form. Forest at home were always a good side. Okay, and so Neil, uh, I think we'll do things a bit differently as well so people can find out a bit about your team. Don't worry, we're not going to list your whole squad, nor are we going to list all the players that you've sold. I've got it in front of me, and for the listeners, I just see so many goalkeepers here. Uh, No, I've got an eye on your squad and and kind of like seeing how that will will match up against the, the fixtures coming up this weekend. So much has been made of of Aston Villa and how brilliant they are and how perhaps they're on a on a title charge themselves. Villa are away to Bournemouth this weekend. We spoke about the home and away thing. But you, you've got John McGinn in, in, in your squad. And I find that quite interesting. You know, he's obviously having a really good season. And I think he's one of a few sort of like central midfielders this season who are actually, who can sometimes be glossed over in fancy league land because they don't often pick up goals, assists, but we're seeing a lot of central midfielders in the Premier League this season kind of like push ahead and getting goals and assists. And I think John McGinn certainly fits into the, that category. Yeah. Um, he's been one of your, your best players this season, I think. Who, who else are the sort of like stars in your team? Well, oddly, John McGinn has only been bought in by me last weekend. Of course, reactive. Um, so I was definitely reacting to exactly what you've just been saying. You know, and actually it links in quite nicely with a couple of the comments in the previous pods about you're kind of looking for players that are really playing sort of good 75-plus minutes, you know. And if you look back at McGinn, you know, certainly for the last, I don't know, maybe eight games, he's played every single minute, apart from the Spurs game where he was taken off, I think, with about a minute to go. So apart from that, you know, you know, he's he's putting in 90-minute pluses, you know, and is is comfortably up there in terms of, assists and goals scored so yeah definitely you know you say that about McGinn's a lot of your squad a... couldn't you you know Abdoulaye Decore is definitely one who's going to be playing pretty much every minute for Everton someone who we, who we mentioned recently kind of being pushed forward by Sean Dyche and a player who will contribute to goals and assists Jensen is another one for Brentford that's your tactic it looks like pick out the players who are who are playing 70 80 90 minutes plus yeah I mean you, you've absolutely nailed it. You know, in terms of that is definitely my approach. Just try and play players or pick or, or bring in players who play in 90 minutes. I think that I was at a bit of a disadvantage at the start of this season because I missed out on the auction. So as I think I've mentioned before to, to our listeners, I, I get to pick from the dregs that are left. So you've got to try and be a bit selective then with players. 
I've managed to pick up, you know, Gordon as well, who with the injuries at, uh, at United, at Newcastle United, is, is playing probably more than he may well have expected. Takuri again, alongside McGinn, were, were fairly recent transfers. And if you have a look at my history, you'll see a fairly sort of uh, similar approach with the players that I've brought in and, and tried. But um, when you are in a position where you're picking the dregs, I think what you find is that you're prepared to gamble a little bit more with players that you bring in and and and, and bring out and seal bid windows. So it's been a bit of a bit of a strange uh, start to the season. But I feel like I'm I'm settling down into a, a more of a sort of a, a settled side. Fairly happy with where I'm at right now. Um, although I am way off our leader, probably about eighty points behind. So I've got some serious point catching to make. You sounds like you do. It's also an interesting period of the season now I think we've been speaking we've been trying to Jesse and I to kind of like pick out the players from some of the lesser teams those players down at the bottom who might be the difference makers and to be honest there haven't really been any really but this weekend coming up is interesting because of a couple of fixtures where surely something's got to give and I think if you've got a weekly transfer window or sealed bid window I'm looking at Forest against Everton and obviously I think a lot of players will have Everton players now um, because of you know we, we kind of know what that squad is we know what that starting eleven is. Burnley v Sheffield United is another. You know Burnley v Sheffield United is not going to finish nil nil. You've got some of these sort of like must win games now coming up. I mean it's must win for all four of those sides: Forest, Everton, Burnley, Sheffield United. And it might be a weekend to look at those teams down the bottom um, at players that are starting to emerge I mean Luton is a team that's not within those four Luton are away to Brentford this weekend but I was really impressed with Ogbené over the weekend against Crystal Palace which I wasn't too impressed by the result but I've and, and I hate I hate to say it because I've got a little note here in front of me say, saying players emerging from the rubbish teams but I put rubbish in brackets almost to kind of pay, pay a compliment to them uh, or to not insult them, but I certainly have insulted them there. Bournemouth is another one. Marcus Tavernier, he's been a really high-scoring player in the Fancy League last few seasons. But Justin Cliver is one where you're like, oh, maybe. Is it Justin Cliver, the player that I should be targeting? I notice you don't have any players from those teams. Have you been tempted by any of those teams in your squad so far this season as you try to make that make shrink that 80-point gap over your league leader? I don't know. I try. I was looking this 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 weekend at a, a potential fullback uh, replacement, and, and to pick up on your point, there are two of those teams. You got Mitchell and Makarenko from Everton that I was just oh, so close to sort of potentially putting in bids, but then you know I I do look ahead as well, so I'm not sure when that's everyone does. I think I suspect they do, but you look ahead against you know some of the games that um, players have got coming up. And, you know, you can run that through all the way through to Christmas. And you've got Everton have got home games, you know, against Chelsea, against Tottenham away. They've got Man City at home. So, you know, a particularly tough run from a defensive perspective from uh, Everton. I think actually Palace have got a slightly easier run. Well, maybe not, actually. They've probably got a harder run. They've got Liverpool at home. You've got Man City away. You've got Brighton at home, Chelsea away, yeah, and Arsenal away sort of late in Jan. So, it's a tough one. Yeah, it's not. I, I, I mean, I would. We spoke at the start of the season. Sam Johnson and Palace defenders were doing well for a few weeks. I am concerned with Palace. They don't even have any home form to to, to draw on. Um, Palace are away to West Ham this weekend coming up. Who are also ravaged by a few injuries, I must say. But just generally in defence, you know, they've just lost to Luton. They're leaky. 
Um, they've taken just three points from their last five league matches. And yeah, you're right. It's Liverpool, Man City, Brighton, Chelsea, Arsenal before the end of January. And with players, Czech Decore has just got injured. So get him out of your teams if you've got him. Elise's back, but Eze's just gone. I don't know. Palace could easily be dragged down if those teams at the bottom start to do well. I think that's it. You look at Sam Johnson actually going back over the last sort of five fixtures. You've got, you know, you've got Newcastle minus three. You've got, you know, Spurs minus one. A clean sheet against Burnley, which you almost expect. Then you lose two against Everton and one against uh, against Luton, you know, based on sort of standard scoring. So, yeah, I think I think bringing in, you know, a, a, a Crystal Palace Defenders probably a touch risky at the moment. Yeah, and we'll we'll just end on that as well. They're playing West Ham, who I've got to say, I almost uh, kind of always thinking back to what I say on the podcast and we're kind of having to follow up with an apology the week after. But I said how with Antonio out, they've got no choice but to be playing Bowen. And obviously it looked like Bowen's injury was worse than we thought on the podcast last week. And actually I could completely forgotten about Danny Ings when I said there's nothing left but Bowen. And Danny Ings is the player who started over the weekend but then again, didn't do particularly well, got subbed off by Divin Mubama, who is another option for West Ham to consider in this period with those attacking players who are out. Although interestingly, it's all kind of kicking off with Mubama, whose contract ends at the end of the season because he hasn't been having enough minutes. He didn't get any fantasy league points, but he was on the pitch for the comeback against Burnley over the weekend. So there are still some of those attacking players um, and, th- and there are intriguing games in the Premier League and therefore in Fantasy League to look forward to this weekend from a lot of these play- these teams who really need to get results. Jessie played in Europe. We'll find out how she got on next week because we're right in the thick of it now. There are lots of teams playing in Europe in real life and in Fantasy League life and the fixtures are going to cu- start coming thick and fast now. Momentum will really play into it there isn't a national international break until March and there's plenty to come up um, we'll be take, guiding you through those fixtures as they come and if you've got any bit like Neil Neil's after a fullback if you've got any sort of agony aunt questions about your squads you want to get in touch anything you've noticed any fancy league players to target if you want to give your secrets away then do get in touch you can find us by email podcast at fancyleague.co.uk and on social media at Fantasy League. And yeah, we'll see how we get on. Let's see what December brings after a very positive November for Peel's old boys. See how my team gets on further forward and yours too, Neil. But now it's part two with Frank Lopez. Okay, so it's time now to speak to our guest interviewee, Frank Lopez. Uh, Frank joins us from the Desmond Tutu Invitational League. A league that was founded in 1996, my notes tell me. Uh, they usually have their auction on Community Shield Day. And yeah, Desmond Tutu seems to be a big figure of note in their league. He doesn't play in their league, but he is a, a, note who, a person who is referenced uh, quite a lot. Frank, welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's great to have you here. Morning, Chris. Thanks for having me here. Great, great to be on as well. Uh, so we'll we'll kick off with that, Desmond Tutu. I mean, it, you know, it's it's a name that is used a fair amount in in football uh, for for the obvious Tutu. But we we can start off on on. I quite like the detail that you've got 0.5 million increments on a 50 million pound budget that you've always had, but there is one price which is reserved. And that is 2.2 million bid. Why is Desmond Tutu such a big figure in your in your league? 
like, I suppose, like many traditions build up over time. So we've been doing the league nearly 30 years. Uh, you mentioned 1996. It may have been 95. It was around mid, it was around peak Matt Letizia years. I remember that much. And, you know, we used to have increments of point one the whole way up. And that meant the auction ran from, you know, lunchtime when we started on Community Shield Day until pub close. And sometimes it didn't even finish by then. Yeah, when whenever a bidding for a player got to, you know, the obvious 2.2, we had... Matt Moore in the corner couldn't help himself. He would always shout gleefully, Desmond, big Desmond shout. Um, did need explaining to a few of us, including myself, and then we got it. And then over the years when, you know, we got older, a few of the guys had, you know, had families to get back to. We had to shorten the auction a little bit. So increments of 0.5, we couldn't take away the 2.2. So that is retained as a special bid allowed between 2 and 2.5 million. That's great. So... Uh... I like that. I wonder if anyone has has gone for two point two this season. But Frank, you've also uh, you can see you're in London. You're you know calling us from London today, which is great. But you're someone who has had a fair few auctions from Australia over the years, and obviously you know we're doing this podcast over Zoom right now with you, and Zoom is a lot easier to deal with now than it used to. But um, I think you've been, you, you were calling in from a long distance for a long time coming, weren't you? And and sort of like the difficulties of calling in from an auction. I mean, it, for me, it shows absolute dedication that you, were, that you were able to do it. But it must have been difficult back in the old days. I mean, it's probably more FOMO than dedication, I think. But um, I, I lived in Brisbane twice. First time was sort of back in 2007 for three years and then 2021 for a couple of years. I moved back earlier this year. So the first time, you know, this, this kind of technology was in its infancy. So I joined in via Skype. My, you know, it's it midnight in Australia on a Sunday night. So I didn't really want to wake my girlfriend up. So I went into my car in the garage with my laptop. I don't know how that worked. The Skype connection was awful. Not, not dodgy hour. at all. Yeah. <laughs> she, wasn't, what, she wasn't concerned what you're up to. Don't worry, I'm just doing a fantasy football auction. <laughs> Oh, I told told her it was. Well, I, mean, I told her it was poor. I was too embarrassed to say it was fantasy league auction. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, the the connection was really bad. I think after about half an hour, I, mean, I didn't have even a video connection, so it was just really difficult. You know, you miss out on the nuances of when it till turned to bid of you know the, all the visual cues. So that didn't work in a nutshell. So um, you know, I had to throw the towel in with that. But then I, you know, moved back a couple of years later, not for Fantasy League, but, you know, pros and cons. And then, yeah, 2021 with the technology being much better. Unfortunately, it hasn't fixed the time difference issue. So the start time for me was again like 10 or 11 p.m. on a Sunday night. But yeah, fortunately, I was able to be sat there in a laptop on a screen in the pub with the other guys. And again, you miss a lot of the nuances, the little side conversations that go on, the little laughs and jokes. But um, it was still good to be part of it and part of the bidding. Yeah, I love the actual true version of events. You can be honest if you like. The fact that you've moved back to the UK just because of Fantasy League. It's okay to admit it. Unofficially, unofficially, maybe that. Again, your <laughs> wife's listening. Okay, I get it. Um, and um, we, we've actually had a, a, a message come in from one of your fellow managers who says that, um, uh, which is quite interesting because of a, a t- talking point that we've had on the podcast the last couple of weeks, but you've, you've got a semi-professional and academy coaching background. So uh, do you want to give us a bit of detail about that? And and, and obviously the, the reams and reams of, of sort of like lessons that you've brought from the real game into the fancy league and, and how you're such a, a brilliant fancy league manager as a consequence, which I can only imagine is the case. Well, in answer to the last bit, I've brought um, zero knowledge from my coaching to my fantasy league, unfortunately. I was looking at the table last night. I 
dropped down one place to ninth out of 10, which to be honest is pretty standard for me. And I'm not even being modest. Uh, I think I finished second once in the 30 year history we've got. That's my best performance. I was thinking about this. So I, you know, I'm on the coaching staff at um, a semi-professional women's team, AFC Wimbledon Women. I'll give them a little shout. They're having a good season. And most of the football I watch really is from that league. I'll, I'll do some, you know, watch some opposition games. I'll watch our own games. Um, I'll clip player highlights and so on. So I spend a few hours a week doing that. I don't get enough chance to watch Premier League. Last night was an example. You know, I was, I was watching footage from our game on Sunday. Fulham Wolves is on the background. If I wasn't doing the coaching, I'd be watching that. I have a much better idea who the bargain buys were for Fulham and Wolves, but um, but I don't. So that's my excuse. I've obviously never been good at auction strategy. I've, I've tried a few, haven't found the right formula. But yeah, I don't really improve things through the season either. It sounds as if there's a real sort of community sort of feel to it. I know, it, you know, you, actually, it's just about being part of the auction, you know, whether you're still over, you know, in Oz or actually whether you're in the UK. It's just about catching up with mates and just being part of that fantastic sort of fun-filled evening. Whether whether you have a successful team or not is almost immaterial to some degree. It actually is exactly that. We all look forward to auction day. I remember this year um, waking up on that day, you know, it's a beautiful sunny day in August. It literally got that same buzz that you get when you wake up on Christmas day, just that, you know, it's a special, special feel. And I said this to a couple of the guys when I got there, uh, when I got to the pub and they said exactly the same to me. So, you know, there's a few of us who are in it 90% for the auction day um, for, you know, catching up with pre-mates that we're not even that close to now, but we're close to, 20, 25 years ago when we saw each other regularly and, you know, everyone's moved away. And we talk nonsense. I come away none the wiser as to what they're doing with their lives or what their kids' names are. And I was <laughs> when I started. But it's just talking football, just setting, you know, challenging each other, you know, each other's strategies, stitching each other up. And we just have so many laughs. And it's a, it's a freebie day. You know, those those with partners have just got a free pass for the day. Um, and it's, we love it. And then what goes on, like you say, during the season, it's, you know, it's not the end of the world. If I finish ninth, I'll finish second. We've had a few recurring themes. Obviously, alcohol was a big one. I don't think it's been mentioned so far this this, this episode yet, Frank. But, <laughs> but another recurring theme we've had is this thing of it of auction day feeling like Christmas day. And so I just like to think now that actually every Christmas day, it's almost like let's turn it the other way around. There'll be lots of people, lots of fancy league managers out there on Christmas day saying, "Ah, oh, this is just like auction." Fancy league auction. It's kind of much more, more that way around. But I, I, I hear as well that you've had, you know, yours is so popular that you've even had waiting lists for people to join your, your league. Are you, um, are you a league similar to me where I, I think 10 is the optimum number? I don't want less and I don't want more. But um, you, you've resisted the temptation of sort of like letting 17, 18. I, mean, I don't know how long this waiting list is. 100 people joining your league. But uh, that's brilliant that you've got people desperate to join the Desmond Tutu Invitational, which sounds very much like it is an invitational. <laughs> That's true. I hadn't thought of it that way, actually. We don't have a waiting list now um, because, as you know, people have you know sort of got old and got other responsibilities. You know, sometimes people opt in and out. But um, obviously, the maximum allowable was or still is sixteen players in an auction. Um, so you know, back in the days when we were a core group of people who played football regularly on Sundays and Wednesdays together, and we saw each other socially, yeah, there were we had a, you know pot of eighteen to twenty players who were keen to join every year, and pretty much it was like if you missed out last year, you've got to wait your turn, and you know you might have to wait three years, and maybe one or two dropped out, and then 
eventually the numbers manage themselves and we seem to be set at a number of about 10. So, yeah, I mean, the beauty of having 16 in the auction is if you if you don't get your good players on auction day, you're going to struggle all season <laughs> and you're waiting for the January transfer window. Yeah, I, I think, like I say, 10, 10 is a really good number. But, yeah. but it's great to hear how kind of positive... I mean, like I say, you've, you've said it's like Christmas Day. How could you sum up really kind of like what the game means to you and... and in terms of it being like the way to play, the original way to play, but but finally, what what does it really mean to, to you, Frank, as someone who's, you know, found himself in the in this car in a garage in Australia on the other side, trying to trying to get into the auction? I, I can imagine quite a strong answer to this question. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a real midsummer highlight for me. A lot of us have, have planned holidays around auction date, um, having an idea that it's going to be a few days before the season starts. So take that away. I probably don't see some of these guys again <laughs> or it might be once every five years instead of once once a year. So it's kind of um, a nod to my past, a nod to my youth, but also just a fantastic day in itself. Can I just ask one very brief question um, before we wrap up? And uh, you mentioned AFC Wimbledon ladies. Who's doing better this year? Wimbledon ladies or your team in, in Fantasy League? Oh, absolutely the women's team. Yeah, they're, they're flying in the league. Um, that was never, never in doubt that they would be doing better than me. <laughs> But my focus is very much on them until the next auction day. (laughs) (laughs) Always great, something to fall back on. Brilliant. Thanks for joining us, Frank. Uh, It's been great to hear about your league, about your dedication to the game as well. Um, And we'd love to hear from from other leagues out there. Uh, Please do get in touch if you want to share your stories um, and what this game means to you. You know what I'm really after, actually? I really want to find what I hear they call in America a dynasty league or a dynasty league, as they say in America, and a league where you don't get rid of players between seasons. So sort of like you've got Doku this year, you're going to keep hold of Doku next year, and then maybe you release a couple of players. I mean, obviously it would make the auction a less of an event, but I kind of I want to see that version. There's got to be someone playing that version of the game out there. Um, if you're playing it in a weird or different way, then please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk. Reach us on social media at League. Thank you, Frank. We'll see you all in part three. Okay, so Neil, this is the time of the podcast where we usually introduce you, find out how your team did. We've obviously done that already in part one, but you're still with us here in part three. And this week in part three, we'll start off actually with the quiz question from last week. As you might remember, James Knowles was our guest last week, the question writer for Question of Sport. And he had some questions for Jesse and I, the quiz. He also had a question for you listeners. And here he is of the reminder of the question, uh, which we'll be answering at the end of the pod. Only three players have scored in each of the last 10 Premier League seasons, including the current season. Who are those three players? Okay, and so you'll just have to wait a little bit longer until the end of the podcast to find out what the answer is. So there's still time to rack your brains if you're listening to try and work out who that one is. And in the meantime, I think it's time to have a look at those transfers. There obviously will have been a a lot of movement in the last week since the return of international football. We've referenced some players to maybe look out for, maybe to avoid in the week to come. Neil, you come armed as ever with the stats from the Fantasy League website. Are you going to turn... I, I kind of did a surprise quiz on you in part one. I hope you're not going to do it again to me. Well, I, I did like, did quite well last time you did this. So it's up to you how you want to play part three, Neil. So I think I think we'll 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 keep a similar theme for the uh, the transfers out. We'll start with the transfers out. And uh, the top three, 
you know, or maybe we'll start a little bit further down. There's an awful lot of people, interestingly, that are taking out players like Ericsson, uh, United, and also uh, McAllister, uh, Liverpool. Um, and then you really sort of venture into some of the uh, some of the injuries. Uh, you've got Solly Marsh, who's obviously out, I think, for the rest of the season. You've got Richarlison, who's obviously just had a fairly significant operation. Uh, Van der Ven is obviously out for a little while. So the top three then... Can you any ideas? I mean, there's there's a there's an out and out leader in terms of the individual that's been transferred out the most, and that's Awani from Forest. Then you have Foster uh, at Burnley, and um, we have a a West Ham player in at number three. We have Antonio who's been transferred out. So yeah, uh, the top three, of those three makes sense, don't uh, they? Yeah. They do, really. I don't think there's anything unusual there. You, what's interesting, actually, are the ones that sit slightly outside of that for me. We've got a number of people that have released Grealish over the last oh. week, 10 days sort of plus, uh, which I think was a really, really interesting. I, I wonder whether actually James Knowles uh, was on the pod last week. And I remember him him making reference to Jack Grealish as, as Jack Grealish being one of those players who maybe you don't pick as a fantasy league manager. And he's someone who's got history with my team, Peel's Old Boys, because... A couple of seasons ago, at our end of season, so we have an end of season barbecue. I don't think I mentioned this, but basically, if you finish bottom, your forfeit is that you have to host the end of season barbecue the following season, which means you have to buy all the food and some of the drink. Brendan supplies some of the drink. We get a, we get a discount from from the <laughs> off license. And I remember this this barbecue uh, a couple of seasons ago, and we were kind of like looking ahead at the next season, and and someone asking me, okay, who do you think will be uh, a really good player next season and and I confused the question because I meant who will actually I confused my answer rather I predicted that Grealish was going to have an amazing season for Man City and he did this was last season and it meant that by the time the auction came round people kept saying I think some people saw it as a bit preposterous because Grealish hadn't started particularly well for Man City and oh you know you think Grealish is going to do really well don't you so I'm, you're going to go big for him in the auction and I ended up sort of did going big for him in the auction because I was like, no, he is going to have a really good season. And he did last year, but that does not translate, as James said last week, to a good fantasy league season. And I found myself a bit frustrated. He did, he did do quite well from a fantasy league point of view, but he, was not, he is not an amazing fantasy league player. And that's because he's not playing every week. And not only that, he's not picking up the goals and assists that you need. He's not... I, I think I've mentioned it in the past to Jesse that when I'm watching a, a Premier League game and one of my players gets the ball, I'm almost in my head. Like when they're on the ball, I'm going, all right, two points, two points, oh, three points, three points, two points, two points. And then they lose the ball. thing with Grealish is that you're not really getting that. He was doing a lot of the assists for the assist. He was also slowing the pace down. He's moving the ball along and he is not as effective in terms of contributing to a goal as you may as you may think. And yeah, and he is not playing week in, week out. It's really difficult with Man City to pick your player who is going to be playing week in, week out. That is a very long way of me saying, OK, that makes sense. But I wouldn't expect him to be be transferred by so many managers. Yeah, well, I, I guess the other interesting stat, which was what a lot of the... Uh, so you listened to, to Neville and Cara talk about the Man City squad for the, for the game of the weekend. And you know, actually, there was this big debate about whether it should be Grealish or Doku. Um, and obviously Grealish's relationship with Haaland up front, you know, and how they, they sort of feed off each other was really important. But I think, um, you know, the reason why Doku was selected was that his he is obviously a little bit more random. Nobody really knows what's what's going to happen, you know, with a ball at sort of Doku's feet. And I think that's what Grealish is suffering from a little bit this season, you know, this sort of form of Doku. You know, Doku, you know, as we said earlier on, you know, high scoring, you know, he got, you know, a couple of goals recently. 
11 points last month. So I think there's there's an opportunity to release Grealish, who probably is going to find himself on the bench a little bit more than perhaps he would have done last season. So what about players in? Players in. I would be very surprised if you could name um, the top transferred player in. It's from uh, a team that was probably wouldn't so you wouldn't classify up there in the maybe the top ten, but uh, it's uh, it's Chris Wood. Um, wow. Chris Wood is tying up there with oddly Mikhailenko. <laughs> so um, maybe there isn't uh, an awful lot of uh, of consideration for future fixtures down the line. Yeah, so Mikhailenko is in number two, and then you've got Alanga in it. Three um, with uh, your personal recommendation of Decoury still being a popular transfer in at uh, at four and at five is is Conor Gallagher and then you have uh, John McGinn, Raúl Jiménez. You know, is it makes the top ten as well. So there are some really mm, I don't know. A lot of these are sounding like a bit of desperation to me, Neil. Well, I, I think that's probably I, I, I think it. the majority of that list. Yeah. I, I think there is an element of that. You know, you've got McTominay's not far outside of that, Tamiskas as well. And then, of course, you know, even uh, a certain uh, United manager was talking about a certain left-back coming back. So Luke Shaw yeah. um, just makes it onto the top 10. Um, so that's another, picking up a previous point we discussed about, about United players. Yeah, it's certainly desperation, um, which is understandable. You know, there are not that many players to to, to pick from at, at this stage of the season because a lot of them, you know, a lot of the players that we'll even talk about on this podcast will be already in people's squads and, and people won't be letting go of them. Uh, I've got my transfer window happening next week. We've got a monthly one um, and I'd be interesting to see what names pop up there. I mean, Adelaide Decore was released by a player last last month, so I bet he ends up going for for lots of money um but you are sort of like t- starting to look at the at the dregs at this time of the season so yeah this is usually the time of uh of the podcast where people get in touch and and have a few moans and and gripes about things but but not this week everything's run smoothly from a manual assists point of view this weekend i think yeah i did there's there's nothing really to to debate no sort of dubious manual assists i think we might have made a mistake awarding one which we corrected very quickly afterwards but no, in terms of the actual um, manual assist, nothing really to talk through. They're all fairly simple. No controversy. So, yes, it was a nice weekend to be watching football rather than worrying about trying to work out whether or not there was a manual assist coming to a particular player. So, no, all clear. And finally, Neil, we've had a question in about the overall rankings, uh, which can be found on the Fancy League website. Uh, a few questions about this, um, I think, kind of like how it works. And it's maybe something that we can go into in a bit more detail in in the weeks to come. People have noticed it as a feature on the website. It's not something that we pride ourselves here on in FancyLeague.com as opposed to FPL. You know, it, the, the, your individual leagues, your different leagues are other things to focus on. Um, but perhaps a quick word on, on the overall rankings and, and maybe something that we can explain in the future. Yeah, definitely. Um, more than happy to do a little segment on that, perhaps next week or the week after. But there is an algorithm and it does sort of factor in things like uh, league size, transfers, whether or not you've got weekends, changes, activated, that sort of stuff. But very happy to come back and talk about that in a little bit more detail in, in the weeks to come. Great. Thanks, Neil. Keep those little comments and everything coming. We also want to hear about your league. So you know where to get in touch. It's podcast at fancyleague.co.uk on email 
and on social media at Fantasy League. Before we go, James Knowles' question to you listeners was that only three players have scored in each of the last 10 Premier League seasons, including this season. Who are they? Well, here's James to find out. Last week, I asked you to name the three players that have scored in each of the last 10 Premier League seasons. If you answered James Ward-Prowse, Danny Welbeck and Raheem Sterling, you got three out of three. We look forward to the podcast next week where Jessie could be back. We'll find out about how she's getting on in Europe. We'll have a new guest as ever. And Neil, we'll see you next week as well. Thanks for this week. Thank you again to Simon, to Frank for joining us in part two. See you next week. 